heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies podcast. Well, hey, Growth Junkies, and welcome back to the Growth Junkies podcast. We are just a bunch of people interested in growing as human beings. So you might be coming along with us. Maybe you're new. Maybe you just started listening. Maybe you've been listening for a while. Uh, but we're grateful for you. It's it's great to grow together, don't you think? Yeah. So Ben is my co-host across the way here, and he once again is joining me, and we're going to talk about a subject relevant to growth. And here's what we're going to do today, Ben. Mm-hmm. We did a whole series on family of origin. Yes. On biological family. And you and I brought in our folks. Yeah. We interviewed them and we asked them questions about our upbringing Mm -hmm. and we sort of talked about the good and the bad and the in-between. Right. And now we think it's a good time to talk about the other part of family because really we have two kinds of family. Mm -hmm. One of them is the family of origin or one's biological family. Mm -hmm. The other family is what we call family of choice. Yeah, and we sandwiched in between all this too uh, an episode on communication, <laughs> which is really important to right. all of this discussion about relationship related to family and these connections. But yeah, family of choice. This is a, a really interesting topic and uh, one that's helpful to people, I think, because yeah. the reality is sometimes we don't have the best family of origin. Yeah. What do you do then? Right. And so what we're going to talk about today is family of choice and actually... I think a lot of people were really be encouraged by this topic mm-hmm. because um, I don't know if anybody has the perfect family. Mm-hmm. And I think we got to be realistic in the fact that all of us, as we get older in life, realize that there's some things maybe we wanted in our family of origin that maybe we didn't get. Mm-hmm. And that's not an indictment of family of origin, but you do wonder, where do I get that then? Where can I get those things that sure. I need? Because a lot of us think we just don't. You're just going to go without But there's this thing called family of choice, which Mm -hmm. actually is meant to sort of fill that void. So here's here's what happens, Ben. Mm -hmm. We were born, you know, and we're raised in a home, uh, in a family of some sort. (laughs) Uh, We don't always have mom and dad, you know, and everyone has different experiences. But you grow up in a family. Uh, some people have to grow up, you know, as orphans and have to grow up in homes and we all have different experiences or they don't grow up in their biological family. They're adopted. There you go. Sometimes, right. So, but the fact is you do grow up somewhere and from zero to 18, you're considered a youth or a child. Mm-hmm. And then at 18, you become an adult. And so you are suddenly thrust into adulthood and life. And whatever you got from zero to 18 is what you got. Yeah. Good or bad. Maybe you got enough. Maybe you didn't get enough. Maybe you got a lot. Maybe you got a little. Maybe you got nothing. But what you have is what you have. And now you got to go live life. And a lot of us think that that's it. That's sort of like that. That's your lot. That's your portion. And if it stinks, too bad. When I've probably referenced this on previous episodes, like when I tell my story about what you're talking about, this segment uh, of life, a lot of times we don't even know what we're missing. Right. It's, it's hard to label or bring language to it. We just know there's something that's not present or there's gaps involved. And I tell my story through a blue toolbox. Like when I got to 23 and opened up my mm-hmm. toolbox and started looking around for, for functional tools that could actually help me in the difficulty of life that I was facing, 
I realized that I had the equivalent of just the starter pack at Home Depot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was, it was the flimsy tape measure and a paint right. stick and a piece of rope and a Sharpie and scissors that didn't work and a, a hammer that could maybe pound some nails and mm-hmm. only one form of screwdriver, a Phillips head, no flathead. So I just didn't have the tools that I needed. Like that's the mm-hmm. best way that I could describe my experience with going through that. And then you go, well, where do I find it? Like you're suggesting. Yeah. Where do I go to learn things that I didn't learn or, or even know that I needed to learn in that time period? Well, and that's a, that's kind of the question we're going to explore today is where do we go? Once you turn 18 or 21 or 31, depending on what home you grew up in, when you flee the nest and you kind of move into life, ideally it's 18 you become an adult, you're held yeah. accountable. You've got to seek out the things you don't have. So in your situation, you've got some basic tools. And then the question is, where do I find the rest of the tools? Where can I get those tools? And the truth is the tools in your box were given to you and your tools might be different than somebody else's tools, but you might not have all the tools that you need to be successful in life. Yeah. And I want to clarify, I had tools, right? Like it wasn't, I was lacking tools mm-hmm. uh, or, or it maybe was the effectiveness of some of them or the robustness of them to be mm-hmm. able to function in life. It's not that I was without them. I could have used some upgrades and, and that's part of how it goes too. I, I do want to throw a caution out to our listeners here as well, because mm-hmm. sometimes when you move through this stretch of life, you come out the other side with a really, really deep need mm-hmm. and finding people who are healthy to be able to begin to meet those needs and help you acquire what, what is necessary for moving forward can become challenging. And sometimes you could mm-hmm. end up engaging a really unhealthy or toxic person who seems to be meeting a need for you, mm-hmm. but it's actually creating more damage. And so I think that's really an important thing to just be cautious of and think about when people are looking to engage this family of choice and grow and develop their tools and get their needs met. We have to be able to recognize what healthy people look like who can participate and contribute to us. Right. I was blessed to run into many who were very healthy. And when I sought these folks out and engaged with them, they just they happened to be that way. I did have a few that weren't Mm -hmm. and they did create some more damage. Right. I gave them too much authority in my life to contribute to my life and didn't realize that in actuality, I was they were adding to a little bit of the whole. Okay. so. Well, so that being said, um, (laughs) this whole conversation is coming out of section two in our Four Dimensions of Human Health Workbook. Um, and if you don't have it, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, by the way, we have it in Portuguese and Spanish too. Yeah, we do. Yeah, so if you want to read it in that language, those are available on Amazon as well. Um, or you can even get the PDF from our website. But you can follow along. Section 2, Part 2, it's entitled Family of God. Now, Family of God, let me explain that. Uh, family of God would be a family of choice. Mm-hmm. So for people who call themselves Christians or are followers of Jesus, which Ben and I have talked about our own mm. experience here, would be part of a family of choice, which would be the family of God. Mm-hmm. But for other people, maybe you don't share our faith. We recognize that family of choice might be a different family. Yeah. Nevertheless, it is a choice. It's the family they choose to surround themselves with. You see, the reality is your biological family, you don't get to choose. Right. You don't get to choose your biological family. You are born into the family that you're born into. And that's for better or for worse, for good or bad. The fact is that's what you got. Right. But you do have a choice when it comes to choosing your family of choice. Mm-hmm. So we have what's called the family of origin or the biological family, which we have affectionately referred to as foo, the foo. foo. 
And and the alternative is family of choice would be Falk. <laughs> so be careful how you say it. Yes. You know, but you have a foo and you have a Falk. And a fog. And a fog, a family of God. <laughs> so a foo, a Falk, and a fog. So the reality is that they're different. Your foo or family of origin is, uh, you know, everybody has one, although they're all different. And in the book, we define it this way. Uh, family means many things to many people, but it is essentially a household consisting of at least one parent and one or more children. Your family of origin or your foo is your biological family to whom you are genetically connected. So there's genetics and there's relationship. Mm -hmm. So you are bonded to certain people genetically um, for better or for worse. You have no choice in that but you do choose who you're going to be bonded to and connected to relationally. Yeah. So your family of choice is your relational family, who you run with, who you belong to. And I think one of the greatest questions we ask ourselves as we become adults is where do I belong? Yeah. And so fundamentally, I think one of the things about this is, is it's an aligning of identity and they're like you referenced, and this is important to state because there's a lot of questions about identity today in our culture and, and how to interpret it and what it means. There are parts of your identity you don't choose. Right. Like it, they're given to you by your family of origin. And, and there's even parts of our identity, too, that we can want to change. But in reality, we still have that as true in our identity. Mm-hmm. Right. There's it's just this can be a very confusing thing. But who we align with is really an alignment of our identity. Who do mm. I want to identify with is, right. is the bigger question. And so like I think about the family of God in my life and people who have contributed significantly to me who are other followers of Jesus mm-hmm. who had these things for me. Like they, they wanted to share my dreams and my hopes. Mm. And um, sometimes they even shared their possessions with me. I can think of many times where I've stayed in people's homes who were uh, great mentors to me and, and I would visit them often mm-hmm. when I was traveling through and they would contribute significantly to my life. And there were memories there, smiles and frowns, the things that get shared. And there are people in life who may not be your direct blood relatives who want to share those things with you. And I would say when I look at my family as a whole, I've shared more of that with people that are not blood related to me. Mm-hmm. And it's been immensely significant than those who are. Mm-hmm. And there are listeners who'd be like, well, that's horrible. Like, sounds like you didn't have a great relationship with your family. There's too many layers and questions that have to get answered mm-hmm. around that for any person right. to really understand what goes into having valuable relationships, relationships that show up in the form of family. Yeah. I mean, right? just because you are genetically related to somebody doesn't mean you're going to see eye to eye. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're going to be the same. I mean, chances increase that you're probably going to inherit some of the qualities and be similar. Maybe I, I know, like me, like I people, you know, know I'm related to my dad right away. <laughs> That's true. Like you can't hide yeah. it. You know what I mean? There's just things you're like, oh yeah, Look you alike, are. You sound alike. You're a Daryl's yeah. son. You know? <laughs> so I get that a lot, and so I, I you have to learn to embrace. And one of the things that we talk a lot about here, and, and I want to reiterate, is that if you want to be a growth junkie, you focus on the things you can control. You don't lament the things you can't. Yeah. So you didn't choose your family. The fact is, that's what you got. So for better or for worse, good or bad, in my situation, I feel blessed. Like, I'm, I'm grateful my parents are intact. You know, just celebrated you know, over 50 years of marriage, and I'm grateful for that. It's not like my family had it all perfect. It's not like they did everything just right. We talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. They would admit that, and I would admit that too. But the reality is, 
why spend my life constantly lamenting and focusing on my genetic family that quite honestly, I have no control over that is my family. So I only can do what I can do. And the reality is, you know, for me, scripture or the Bible kind of dictates, I need to honor my folks because Mm -hmm. that's my relationship with them. And I want to honor them. Um, I love my brother and he happens to be a good friend of mine. I'm grateful for good relationship with him, with my sibling, but all, none of that's guaranteed. So I can't spend, nor should I spend all my emotional energy and spin my wheels worrying about or trying to control something I can't. So when it comes to your genetic or biological family, mm-hmm. your foo, don't focus on that. Focus on what you can control. Yeah. And what you can control is the tribe or the family of choice you choose yeah. to belong to here. And you don't have to apologize for gravitating no. toward no. people you identify with. Right. Right. I, I don't know anybody that wants to force themselves into a situation where the things that they believe and care about most deeply, mm. they go, no, I don't want to be around pe- people who share those same ideals. I just want to be in situations where I have to fight about them all the time. Oh, man. Like no one wants to do that. No. And, and, it, and it's really not healthy in a sense. But that's what happens a lot of times in families. Like there's right. those jokes about Thanksgiving and not discussing politics or religion. Mm-hmm. And there's other topics that I think are on that list now too. Mm-hmm. But you walk in and you have different views. Mm. And sometimes you want to be in a place where the views are aligned and mm-hmm. you can discuss what it looks like to have those things as a part of your life. And, mm. and people, people are making valuable deposits and contributions to your life. You're not having to defend yourself. Right. Or you're not having to fight around a why you believe what you believe. Mm-hmm. And so we find those a lot of times in our family of choice because they're not necessarily available to us in our family of origin. Right. And, and so here's the thing. You're, whatever your family of origin looks like, that's what you have. And it doesn't mean it's good or bad. It depends on the situation. Yeah. So it is what it is, so to speak. Gave but, me a start. Yes. <laughs> and here's the thing you can do. And, and, and we address this in the book, by the way. In the Four Dimensions workbook, we specifically address family of origin and the fact that there are ways to appreciate your family of origin, to appreciate where you've come from, to honor what the good stuff that you gleaned. Because here's the thing, no matter your, your growing situation, whatever family you grew up in, there's good too. There are things that make you who you are. I, I just recently was talking with a counselor with a new concept called post-traumatic Growth, post-traumatic growth. This yeah, is have really you heard of that? Interesting subject. It's a new subject. Only through you, you mentioning it. Yeah, I just learned about it myself. Post-traumatic growth, which is the view these days, is moving toward a different perspective on trauma. That trauma is not necessarily something we have to just get past and leave behind. It's something that we integrate into our lives and makes us who we are, and we embrace it. We embrace the trauma because of what it gives us and what we learn and how we grow. So. So trauma is not always a bad thing. So even the bad stuff in our family of origin has value. Even the things that the needs that went unmet, the expectations that were broken, the promises, all the stuff that maybe happened that we got or didn't get is part of our story. And actually you can learn to embrace that and and not worry about it Mm -hmm. and spin your wheels over it. All you can control is the present and the future. You can't control yesterday. You can't control where you came from. You can control your present circumstances and who you surround yourself with and choose to surround yourself with. Yeah, and post-traumatic growth sounds way better than a disorder. It does. It (laughs) really does. It's more optimistic and hopeful that that sometimes these really, really difficult things that we've Mm -hmm. encountered in life, whether from family of origin or, or otherwise, 
can deposit and part and and contribute to our lives really good things. Yeah, can move us a different direction. So let's right? just get something out of the way. Um, is there such a thing as a functional family, Ben? Oh gosh, how do you answer that well, question? There's, everyone's dysfunctional, don't you think? Every yeah, family has dysfunction. Well, we all have a lot of limits. Yeah. Right, that that keep us from being able to function well and be whole. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a matter of limiting those limitations or the impact of those things. Mm-hmm. And and so as you do that, you become more whole. Right. And and so or more functional. So the answer is no. There's not even in your relationships with your your family of choice. Mm-hmm. I have great friends. Mm-hmm. I think the difference is a lot of times in those relationships, I can we can talk about the non-functional parts. Mm. Like we're actually having discussion about that and it maybe is a part of our, our relationship, right? Like I think about us, mm-hmm. right? Because we would probably classify each other in being in family of choice. Like we hardly knew each other years ago, but we, right. we now have this relationship with a lot of Mm -hmm. miles that have been logged and Mm -hmm. things that we share and stuff that we talk about that we don't go to everybody with. Right. And I think that's important for our listeners to hear like you and I off air Mm -hmm. is we do this here, but we process life a lot outside of this with one another. We do. And find each other to be valuable sources to, to do that. And we've, we've developed that with each other. And it's, is it fully functional? Well, we have limits. We know what our limits are, mm-hmm. but we don't beat each other up for it. Well, and right? that's, and let's, I think it's important to sort of talk about the fact that with family of choice, it's not like you're looking for people just like you. Yeah. It's like when I say like that's finding, true. finding my tribe or finding yeah. my family of choice is about finding people who don't disagree with me ever. Honestly, that doesn't exist. <laughs> and the fact is we do need to surround ourselves with people who are different than us. But there's something that joins you together. There's a commonality. There's a common mission, a common purpose, a yeah. common commitment. There's something that you're committed to that you have in common. And that's why with the family of God, here's the thing about the family of God. It's full of a lot of different people. Oh, boy. Yeah. Boy. And they do. They see things differently. Uh-huh. You know, there are people on the right and people on the left and everywhere in between. There are progressives and liberals, conservatives, and they're every color in the rainbow. The, the reality is it's made up of all kinds of people who don't see eye to eye. But right. what they have in common is Jesus. Yeah. And like for that's enough to find your tribe that we agree on the person we're going to worship and the person we're going to follow. Mm-hmm. And that's a commonality, uh, like a common denominator that creates a tribe. So when we talk about finding a family of choice, it's not just finding people you're super comfortable with who are just like you, carbon copies. No, no, no. It's finding people you choose to do life with who, gets, get this, give you what you need. Mm-hmm. And what you need is not always what you already have. In fact, it's often what you don't have. Yeah, it's, it's different it's, gifts, different skills, different things. Right, and it's love, knowing, want. It, to love knowing, wanting, and doing what's in the best interest of the other person, right? The, right? the people in those relationships with you are wanting to contribute to that way into your life. Right. right? They want to, to bring goodness to you and see that happen and, mm-hmm. and vice versa. I think what, what saddens me on the, the two sides of the equation that you just talked about, the family of origin and the family of God, on either side of that equation, when things when conflicts cannot be resolved mm. and there's issues that happen and it creates division and disunity, mm-hmm. that's sad on both sides. Yeah. I would say on the side of the family of God, it's been even more saddening to me mm-hmm. because if you understand what the Bible teaches and who Jesus was and how love is constructed and love works, you would think that in the family of God we would be able to resolve these things. Yeah. And I consistently hear about at times 
ways where believers and, and followers of Jesus are not able to resolve things and they part and go different ways. And I'm like, how is that? Like, how do we do that? You know, and yeah. I th- I'm throwing that out more as a personal thing, but it, mm. it is a little frustrating. Yeah. We would hope that in that particular family, we can get these things resolved. And so I think one of the reasons I bring that up is there's probably listeners of ours who have have what are what's called church hurt, mm-hmm. where they've given themselves to the family of God mm-hmm. and it damaged them. Right. Right. And that's really, really sad. Yeah. And, and, and to that point, I mean, the reality is we have to acknowledge this is no perfect family. Right. And maybe no functional family. <laughs> Everything's dysfunctional. <laughs> yeah. But there's something that you need that you get yes. from other people in your life. Right. We need each other. We need relationships and your community might be just a handful of people. It might be 10, might be a hundred, might be a thousand. Everyone has a different kind of community, but you need to get those things in your life met. So in your case, the tools that you needed to have added, you need to look elsewhere to find those things. And you had to find them in the family of choice for you. And the quest to find those kinds of people that can actually give that to you. Right. Right. I know that um, there are some families that can, be really good at, at using guilt or manipulation to make you feel like, well, no, you're supposed to get it all here. Like you're, right. it's, it's all like, why do you have to go outside? Well, can I tell you why? <laughs> so, are you ready for this? Okay. So this is going to be the most controversial part Uh-oh. of this episode. <laughs> okay. You're not going to be shocked, Ben, <laughs> okay. but some of our listeners no, might not be. normally. When I first heard this concept, it did jolt me because it felt really weird, but then I realized it's true. So you've heard the phrase blood is thicker than water. Mm-hmm. Typically that is leveraged in guilt, you know, sort of like, <laughs> you know, Hey, come on, man, your commitments to family, your biological family are more important than commitments to anybody else outside. And we live in a world in which it feels like, you know, it, it's my biological family and we don't care about anybody else. Mm. And there is a bit of that going on. But in reality, if you look at Jesus, for example, mm-hmm. And you take that idea of blood is thicker than water. I think Jesus was not for that (laughs) because you look at his story. I want to use his his story as an example. And this is what jolted me when I realized that Jesus actually took steps away from his biological family at several junctures in his life, even almost harshly. Like Mm -hmm. he had to separate himself from his biological genetic family to attach to his spiritual family his disciples, his followers. And there's even a couple occasions, like in the book of Matthew, for example, there's this really interesting exchange that happens where it says Jesus was speaking to a crowd. Yeah, this is a great one. And then his mother and brothers were standing outside and they were asking to talk to him. And someone told Jesus about it. And he said, your mother, your brothers are standing outside. They want to speak to you. And listen to what Jesus says. (laughs) This is incredible. He said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to the disciples and he said, look at these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. There's another occasion where um, at at the changing the water into wine miracle, he says this like phrase like about his mother, like, what have I to do with you, woman? And people read that and they're like, whoa, how disrespectful. What are you doing? You talking to your mom? Did Jesus even care about his mother? Well, first of all, yes, he did. And the proof is that when he died on the cross, he looked down and saw his mom there and he saw John, the the apostle, and he said, take care of my mom. So we know that he looked out for his mom. He adored his mom. Mm. He cared about his mom, but he made very powerful, profound statements about truth, which is that blood is not thicker than water when it comes to the family of God. 
And in reality, he would prioritize the family of God over the family of origin because he himself removed himself from his family mm-hmm. of origin and bonded to his family of choice, the family of God. And that feels harsh. And I'll tell you what, though, that is reality. In God's economy, the family of God is more important and has priority over the family of origin. Let me say that again, because mm. it's a bit, con- I know that, but it's true. In God's economy, the family of God is more important and has priority over the family of origin, which explains why we raise our children, we send them off in the world, and we should expect them to bond to another family. Mm. They still love mom and dad, I hope. They still keep in touch with their siblings. We still have relations. We see them on the holidays. But in reality, the day-to-day life, they are more close to friends now who have become their family. And that's not bad. That's good. Their family of choice is exactly what they need. And they're going to give them the things that they didn't get from us. Because here's the truth, Ben. I think I'm a pretty good dad. Mm -hmm. I think think their mom is a really Mm -hmm. good mom with my kids. But there are things we are not capable of providing them that they're going to need to look for when they become adults in their family of choice. And rather than fight that and lambast that and attack it and criticize it and guilt and shame my kids about how blood is thicker than water, I need to get behind that and say, you know what? We're your mom and dad. We're secure. You know we love you and you love us. But we know that you're going to find another family out there, a tribe, a culture, a family of choice that you're going to run with in life. And they're going to be even closer. And the perfect example of this, Ben, is when like my sons, I got two boys and a girl. When my two older sons get married and then my daughter gets married, guess what? They're going to be closer and more committed to their spouse than they are to their mom and me. That's good. Yeah, that's and, a family of choice, and that's it goes goes back to even Jesus, in a sense, aligned his identity mm-hmm. in another place, mm-hmm. and his identity aligned to something bigger than himself, and bigger than his family of origin. Right. So, in that aligning of identity, there was also a rejecting of pride. Family pride can be a big deal. Yes. Right. Where people are like super prideful about their family and uh-huh. this and that, and it's this is where the buck stops, and that's the only place. But he says, no, it's not. It doesn't stop at my family of origin or my blood family. My family's a bigger family. That's the family of God. And so coming to what you were saying, because like for me, having two boys and a girl, they're going to get probably get married someday and have kids and other families. That's why people being in the family of God is a unifying thing that hopefully your children marry people who are in the family of God and mine do and their parents yeah. are in that family because then we're actually all family. That's right. But if you defend your nuclear blood origin family mm-hmm. or your family of origin, mm-hmm. that's actually a really prideful position Yeah. versus going, no, I'm a part of a bigger family that has more people yeah. and is more unique and accepts and has a different identity. And that's really what Jesus was doing was he was aligning his identity with this bigger reality. Yeah. Well, even look at the relationship between Jesus and and the father, you know, the Mm -hmm. two members of the Trinity there, um, identifying as father and son. The fact is um, Jesus, you know, historically is viewed as equal with the father. Mm -hmm. That would be our conviction. Yet they're distinct. So the, the the reality is even though they are, quote, biological family, they're equals. And so there's something to be learned in that relationship that with my own children, when they get older and they become adults and go off into the world, our relationship changes. I'm still biologically, you know, genetically their father, but in many ways they they grow up into peers. And one of the big frustrations a lot of kids have these days is that they grow into adults and their parents still treat them like kids. (laughs) 
When in reality, it's like, I've been your peer for 20, 30 years. Why don't we start acting like it? So in many ways, you've got to start functioning like extended family yeah. or the family of choice. So I should not treat my sons the same way that I do now. When they're 14 and 13, they need me to parent them. But when they become adults, they don't need me to parent them. I, I hope I'm a wise counselor or one of them in their lives, but my relationship with them ought to change. So if I keep insisting that their allegiances need to be to, to me and their mom and mm -hmm. to their siblings, and everybody else can sort of go to heck, if that's what I teach them, then I'm just wrong. And they're, they're going to reject that yeah. because we can't give them everything they need. The fact is we get what we need in the context of community. And you need to find your community. I go back to high school, Ben. Remember how there were, um, <laughs> there were like the, uh, uh, the jocks, the nerds, the musicians, <laughs> you know, the, the, the teacher's pets. Yeah, uh, yeah. there's all kinds Everybody of Everybody had their little right? sort of yeah. like group. Stereotypes and, and all that stuff. Oh, and, yeah. and then why do people join gangs and clubs? And yeah. the reality is people want to belong. Yeah, they want to identify, they want be to, accepted. They want to be accepted. It's not even necessarily to just find people who are just like them but people that actually care about them. There's a life-giving mutual relationship that I get what I need from other people and they get what they need from me. Those are the communities we need to find. And I would say this, if you're out there and you are a growth mm. junkie and you're isolated and you're not in a family of choice, you haven't found a family mm. of choice, whether it's the family of God or whether it's another family, mm -hmm. you need that. You cannot thrive by yourself. Right. We've talked before about the damage that relational isolation does. And so you might be kind of mired in, in your wallowed sorrows mm -hmm. over the life you weren't given, the life you didn't have growing up. And you don't realize that you are designed and you are created. You are made to seek out those things in a community of people now in the present and the future that can get your needs met. You've got to find your tribe. You've got to find your family of choice. And I think as we go to conclude this episode, as we're kind of approaching that, in that seeking, what is it that has to lead? Mm -hmm. What is it that we're really looking for that, that can help us as we're trying to find it? I mean, really what we've done tactically in the episode is talk about family of choice, and family mm -hmm. of God is a good example of what we mean by family of choice as we've illustrated it, mm -hmm. right? One that we both participate in. Mm -hmm. But if I had to give an overarching solution, like as I go out to find my family of choice, at the center of it really is love, right? What yeah. we're looking for is to be in loving relationships that benefit and contribute to our lives in that way where we can exchange that. Yeah. Where it, it's an exchange between one another. It, mm -hmm. It's it, that benevolent kind of love that we're seeking and wanting that helps us to grow and develop. Yeah. As we define it here at the Institute, love is to know, want, and do what's in the best interest of another person. Like mm -hmm. that is at the center of it. So what I would say to growth junkies who are looking for a family of choice, or even for us as we continue mm -hmm. to add people into our lives, is I really want to add people who understand love. Mm -hmm. And I'm not making a statement about other people that I don't interact with. It's mm -hmm. just you begin to get around people who get it and understand they move into your life a certain way and you can tell they're really for you. Yeah. Like they don't have an agenda. They're not putting laced expectations on you. Mm -hmm. And and because here's the thing, like even in family of origins that would want to use guilt or pride to say, no, it really is here. And I think mm -hmm. about the mafia families, right? That That's mm -hmm. like a, a graphic movie yeah. illustration of that. Well, here's the deal. You can't force allegiance. I mean, you can no. threaten with death, but it still doesn't force the heart of the person to place their allegiance there necessarily. Mm -hmm. Right? Same thing. Love can't be forced. Right. 
You can't force someone to love you, right? So un- pe- finding people who understand love at the center. And so for every growth chunk, you to really think through themselves how they understand love mm-hmm. and what it means to be transformed by it and how it does inform all dimensions of life. The things that we talk about and we teach here at the Institute and are regularly discussing mm-hmm. is at the center of this topic Yeah, and why we put it in the four dimensions. So let's land on that. I mean, we talk a lot about love. I mean, the Love and Transformation Institute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we believe that love is the chief catalyst to transform people, relationships, and culture. So here's here it is, folks. Bottom line, if you want to join a family of choice, um, we would suggest that you need a common denominator, a common commitment, a core mission. And in, in our situation, part of the reason Ben and I are in that community together is not just because we're part of the family of God, but I see within that family of God, there's a mm-hmm. family of choice. And that family of choice is a family of love, mm. that we are mutually committed to do what's to know, do, and want what's in the best interest of the next person. In your, mm-hmm. this case, Ben, you believe that I care about you and that I want to know and want and do what's in your best interest. Mm-hmm. You want the same thing for me. Right. And that joins us together. And quite honestly, all the other stuff we have in common is secondary. <laughs> we don't have to agree politically. We don't have to agree even religiously necessarily. We do agree about fly fishing. Now. We do agree about fly fishing. We're, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, skiing and whatnot. Yes. The outdoors. <laughs> the outdoors. But... All that is secondary in our in our situation, and I would propose for you growth chunkies out there, if you want to find a family of choice, why not find a family that's committed to the core value of love? Mm-hmm. Find that 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 community that is committed to that kind of love, not selfish, you know, self-serving love, but selfless, sacrificial love. Yeah, and so they can consider, in a sense, what you're saying. This is an invitation, right? Right. We are building that kind of family in a sense through what we do. Right. And I've learned from many, many people I never met in life, but they felt like family Mm -hmm. mentors that I read Mm -hmm. authors, uh, people I've listened to and never had the privilege to meet, but they've contributed. They felt like it. Yeah. You know, but we are, we're still alive and breathing and you can interact. Like we, we're looking for more and more people who are like this and want to have this discussion. Right? Yeah, I mean, this podcast is really our way of uh, reaching out into the world and finding out who else is in our tribe. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. We're a family of choice. Growth junkies are a family of choice. Right. Even though we may not live in the same city, we may not know each other personally, the fact is this, we have a common commitment here, something we're all driving toward. Right. And And so if you're looking for a family of choice and you don't have one, why don't you join ours? Be a part of the growth junkies. This is a family of choice and, and you can get your needs met in this kind of community. That's our desire. So that's what we're doing here. That's why we started this podcast um, a year, year and a half ago. We continue to broadcast every week, every Wednesday, we put out a new episode and today it's an invitation for you to come along with us and join a family of choice, a fuck Ben. <laughs> Yeah, join this FOC. Yes. You know, be part of our family of choice, the Growth Junkies. And if you want to learn more about us, we actually have a website called loveandtransformation.org. Mm-hmm. You can learn about us there. We have an Instagram, Growth Junkies. Go to Growth Junkies on Instagram. You can follow us. We post on there a lot of content. You can get in touch with us. Um, we're always looking for new ideas. We're looking for feedback. Yeah. Um, we also are a nonprofit organization. And I want to reiterate the fact that if you believe in what we're trying to do, you want to support us, you're looking for an organization to rally around, 
Uh, we would love you to support and donate to the Love and Transformation Institute so we can keep doing this podcast. So as long as we have the resources, we'll just keep on doing this. We want to keep building this community. Yeah. Um, someday we'll all get together in, in a building somewhere or in a stadium somewhere. <laughs> Sooner than later, it looks like. It's <laughs> and we'll get all the growth junkies together as a family yeah, of choice. How day. awesome will that be? That would be great. But in the meantime, just keep listening to us and get in touch with us. You are listening to the Growth Junkies podcast. We look forward to having you join us next time.